Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 107th programme of Think Again. This programme is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation that has been dedicated to social change for over 23 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're talking about the various ways our federal government deflects attention and responsibility away from its own failures and the failures of the system. Over the last few programmes, we've looked at the increasing inequality in Australia and the evidence that growing numbers of people are struggling to survive. At the same time, we are constantly bombarded, really, by those who happen to govern us that the, at the moment that the economy is actually going gangbusters. Mm-hmm. We interviewed Megan Skihill, who reported from the call phase that lots of place-based agencies are close to being overwhelmed by demand for emergency relief. Last week, we discussed the myth about our economy and started to wonder about what this contradictory picture of our reality, a reality not limited to Australia, to Australia, by the way, mm. what that really is about. Yeah, quite a few commentators, local and international, have also wondered about this. The two stories about the economy, the one that we're being told about it going really well by our leaders and the one that people are really experiencing. So some see this as a neoliberal version of capitalism that dominates the global scene since the 80s, um, while others see it as a possibly terminal crisis in global capitalism. I mean the fact that um, a growing number of people just are struggling to survive. Mm. Last week we looked at how our federal government has been trying to deflect attention away from the harm its policies or the absence of their policies is and are causing to our own citizens. Yeah, well especially harm inflicted on the most powerless and disadvantaged. And how the federal government, amongst other ways, engages in this deflection by talking up, for example, the China problem. Mm -hmm. The China problem is presented in a few ways by the government and by aligned media, from negligently or deliberately causing the coronavirus pandemic to China, to Chinese or to China's attempts at gaining influence about everywhere, even in our Pacific Backyard, Mm -hmm. and because of their human rights misdeeds and many more reasons. Though there are very serious human uh, rights abuses being committed by China, Jacques, and I think I'd call them more than misdeeds. I agree, but we shouldn't forget our own historical and ongoing misdeeds either. Yeah, that's true. The constant raising of this China problem, echoed by other members of the Five Eyes Anglosphere countries, really conjures up the growing possibility of a new war, whether Mm. it's cold or hot. 
As we know, or should know really, from history, such war talk is routinely used to channel our attention away from the internal problems our own society and its systems face. Yeah, and and of course all this war talk it also justifies redirecting our common wealth, the taxes paid by us, away from much-needed public in- infrastructure like social housing, education, healthcare and services towards the war machine, which we talked a little bit about at the mm. end of our program last mm, week. That's right, yeah. It was the military-industrial complex. As former Second World War general and 1950s US President Eisenhower used to call it, yeah, already yeah. in the 1950s. Yeah, 70 years ago. Hmm. So today, um, Jacques and I thought we'd continue to look at the different deflections being used by the Morrison federal government to distract us from its own increasingly obvious mistakes. And the failures of so many aspects of the public system, especially but not only in the fight against the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, which we're hearing is really in the news Mm. a lot. That's right. So to start with, let's go back to a quote we shared at the end of last week's program. A quote from a great article by William Robertson, a University of California distinguished professor. Quote, In the US, the ruling groups must channel fear over tenuous survival away from the system and towards scapegoated communities and towards external enemies such as China and Russia. Unquote. So last week we looked closer at the deflection of attention on external enemies, which you've been talking about just now, Jacques, China Mm. particularly. But another deflection Robertson refers to is uh, on scapegoated communities. And who are the scapegoated communities being blamed by governments, commentators, journalists, editors, the right-wing press, etc., for the failures of the overall societal system? And, and what the government's misgovernance by our government. So I'm sure listeners could think of a few scapegoated communities themselves, but we'll have a go at it. Yeah, the Morrison government has become a master of deflecting attention from the top to the bottom, such as to the jobless who are blamed for being unemployed, really. Yes, that's right, Jacques. The, the government's constant refrain is that the best response to being on welfare or social security, is getting a job. So if, if we, meaning if I was the government, if we, the government, look after the economy, which they reckon they're doing, there will be jobs, jobs, jobs everywhere. And if people don't happen to have one, it must be because they're not having a go and it must be their fault. Um, not to mention, of course, if you are employed um, precariously or in casual work and mm. underpaid, you mm. still can't make ends meet yeah. a lot of the time anyway. So here we have the deflection of attention away from the rather obvious failures of the economy or the free market and of the government policies or the absence of, the, yeah. of such policies. Yeah, that's right. And deflection of attention away from the plight of people and citizens suffering from those policy failures onto the victims themselves. It's a big lie, like 
We're doing our bit as government. Why aren't you doing yeah. yours? After all, that's also what mutual obligation, which was constructed in the, in Howard Land 20 years ago, was meant to suggest. Oh, so, Jacques, uh, you're referring to ex-PM John Howard. Did he really make up the term mutual obligation? No, he didn't really invent it, but he adopted it quite inappropriately to apply to the relationship between systems and people on the ground rather than to everyday social relationships mm. where the term initially came about, oh, yeah. and particularly in community development context and so on. Mm. And who can forget the devastation of RoboDebt under this government or the welfare card imposed on Aboriginal people or even the constant hoops people have to jump through just to get welfare payments like JobSeeker or even the disability support or NDIS. And, of course, in the face of um, a rather brutal bureaucracy, a lot of people just can't, can't jump through those hoops. Mm, exactly. So, and when they do get jump through the hoops, uh, or if they have people to help them jump through the hoops, mm-hmm. the payments are inadequate, as we know anyway. They're way below the poverty That's line. That's right, yeah. To illustrate the injustice, think of the wealthy corporations who receive JobKeeper payments from our tax revenue, including, by the way, taxes from the struggling workers. Yeah. And they clearly hadn't needed them, the the corporations, that is, as they were making huge profits in spite of the COVID close-downs and then refused to pay them back. Mutual obligation obviously did not apply to them. (laughs) And as far as we know, the JobKeeper monies were added to the, show, to the shareholders' dividends. Yeah, which incidentally makes that side of the economy look good in the process. Mm, <laughs> that's right. Or the way they measure it anyway. Mm-hmm. We'd have to agree with Paul Dutton about Kinji Man from Western New South Wales. I quote, Our society is heading for a collapse unless we protect the most vulnerable instead of holding them to a higher standard than the rest of us. That was in The Guardian on the 11th of June this year. Yeah. So on that point, we'll go to a music break in celebration of NADOC week. Let's listen to Dr. G with Goparu, which means tuna swimming. Thank you. 
You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about our federal government as the great deflector, (laughs) deflecting our gaze on its own failures and the failures of the system to groups deemed to be outsiders or those struggling at the bottom. While those on the bottom are accused of leaning on the system, our own politicians, including the PM, seem to forget that it is us, the people, Mm. who pay their rather considerable wages, Mm. as well as the wages of the top bureaucrats across the various departments and administrative bodies. Yeah, hence the old term, shark, public servant. Mm, Exactly. We just learned that they are about the best paid across much of the OECD, as the age revealed over the weekend, last weekend, that is. They really all need to start meeting their own obligations to govern for everyone and not just for the elite. Yeah, Yeah, and at least stop leaning on or crushing the people they should be supporting. Another scapegoated community, by the way, is asylum seekers, conjured up as the internal foreign enemy. The hordes coming to our own shores, apparently. Yeah, I guess there's characteristics of internal and Mm, external enemy there. Or maybe the external enemy who's got inside, you Mm. know. So um, asylum seekers, especially the ones coming by boat, are a really maligned and mistreated group of people the government has been deflecting responsibility to for many years now. Uh, most notably, I think there was a turning point around the time of the mm-hmm. Tampa, the Tampa crisis in 2001, uh, when the then Liberal PM, John Howard, made up a story about asylum seekers throwing their babies into the ocean to instigate a sea rescue. Um, uh, uh, people mm. often refer to it as a baby's overboard saga. And this was subsequently found to be untrue But really importantly, it was successful for Howard in winning him the federal election that followed soon after. Mm. And there's also kind of reminiscences of the last election, not so much in this regard, Mm. but similar. A lesson that was certainly not lost on federal politicians after that because they repeated repeated it a couple of times. In in the race to the bottom in Mm. mistreatment of asylum seekers. That's right. So uh, I, I, that was a really shocking story, that Tampa story, because it was a real story of they're not like us or not quite human. They they do things to babies, really, mm, you know. Mm. And, and then you're set to justify a range of abuses such as indefinite incarceration in the absence of a crime. Yeah, an ongoing demonisation by what has now come to be understood as fake news. Fake indeed but very purposefully used. Like most of marketing, really. Mm, yeah. Don't we refer to our PM as Scotty for marketing? Mm, that's right. And I, all the deflections we talked about last week and today, Jacques, mm-hmm. they're all about marketing, aren't they? The triumph of deflective marketing marketing <laughs> over, <what? laughs> over transparent, responsible, beneficial government for and with the people. Yeah. Lindy Edwards from the University of New South Wales certainly confirms this as she tries to understand Morrison's leadership style. In a new da- daily article, focusing on the series of rorts 
we also have been com commenting on, as well as on his meanwhile rather obvious failures in, in the COVID, COVID space. space. Which is an ongoing saga. That's right. Uh, yeah, getting to the 2018 election, or 19, without it was, policies, without policies mm -hmm. working feverishly, identifying, she says, and I'm quoting, feverishly identifying every possible pot of money they could find and setting out how to distribute it for political advantage, yeah. rewarding friends and wooing foes in marginal seats. Yeah, with unquote. taxpayers' money That's right. again. So marketing with money which was and isn't theirs. That's right. And being without policies, and again I continue to quote Edwards, that was thought to be a stroke of marketing genius that he ran the campaign as a one-man band mm. focused entirely on himself and his <laughs> relatability as a suburban dad, unquote. Mm. The style of political leadership is marked by short-term views and a carrot-and-stick approach to the voting population at large, mm, wow. unquote. Yeah, yeah. so... And and all these efforts entirely focused on winning an election. And for most of us, that's unthinkable. And it's taken that's me right. years to realise mm. it's actually really true. That's, mm. um, and and what do governments stand for then? The, mm -hmm. go go the government for being in government, that's basically. Right. <laughs> exactly. And the ABC's Laura Tingle has helped us, really, with a list of empty marketing weasel words. Morrison has developed to deflect attention from the real drama going on in the failures of his COVID responses, and of course aided and abetted by his ministerial colleagues using them in their own speech bubbles. Mm -hmm. And I quote Tingle, mm -hmm. in the prime ministerial pandemic lexicon, which has included, and she quotes herself, <laughs> proportionate measures, escalating threats, flattening the curve, targeted, measured and scalable plans. Which means no plans, I yeah. think. Another <laughs> one was to get to the other side, the road out, that we're in uncharted territory. Which is an excuse for not succeeding. <laughs> fighting the virus and winning, getting Australians home by Christmas. Mm. Hallelujah. And of course, there was the national vaccination allocation horizons. <laughs> I think that last one, Jacques, is my favourite. He replaced vaccination goals with vaccination horizons. That's right. And I am going to remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, and then I continue to quote from Tingle, the idea of magic numbers did seem to reflect the zeitgeist of where the Prime Minister, if not the rest of us, finds himself now. Mm. Magic numbers, not fake numbers, That's Jacques. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, we could add to the marketing mishmash coming from our federal government the repeated assurances that we, or at least New South Wales and its tracing model, are leading the world or oh, the world's envy. This hubris culminating in Australia being at the bottom of the OECD list in vaccination numbers and not doing so well in quarantine security either. Hi, I'm Kutcher Edwards. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison radio series where we share the mic with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates in Victorian prisons. We started in 2002 
and this year marks 20 years on the air. Be sure to tune in at 11am each morning from Monday July the 5th to Friday July the 9th for Beyond the Bars 2021 broadcast. For more information, head to our website 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. Thoughts within Visions I see Daring to dream My destiny You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. We're looking today at some of the ways our PMs, Cotty from Marketing, Mm -hmm. deflects attention from the government's failures and failures of our system. Finally, throwing into the mix, we remind listeners of the Think Again program we did in January last year. We talked about our PM's Pentecostalism, representing the deflection of responsibility to his personal God, who is also serendipitously pro-market and pro-capitalist and rewards those who can get wealthy from the system. Yeah, well, I guess why put policies in place to ensure the fair distribution of society's goods when the wealthy are there because of their own merits? And the poor and unemployed only have themselves to blame. And all of this ordained by the PM's own personal God. Mm, Apparently Mm. this is God's kingdom on earth. Yeah, so then why worry about climate change when the end is nigh anyway, when Scotty's God will sort out the wheat from the chaff in the end, so to speak. And um, that's a really scary deflection by our PM, I think, that isn't so overtly outlined in the polished media statements. Yeah, but it is scarier than all the high visit vests <laughs> he has ever worn in pictures and the various baseball caps he wears and the visits to pubs and research labs and to Bunnings and the serum bottles he has been holding in front of us, assuring us that we were at the front of the queue. Mm, not to mention um, the scary, uh, uh, another scary thing, the secret laying on of hands when he's pretending to comfort citizens with an innocent hug in times of disaster. Yeah, we do have to keep calling and to be calling that out, that Pentecostalism, if only to uphold the separation of government and religion, but also to compare the the obvious marketing behaviours and attitudes. Mm, uh, What do you mean by that, Sean? Well, the events and mass meetings of Pentecostal churches often seem to use many of the marketing tricks we mentioned, the music, the gestures, the lights, the hand-laying, and the appeal to emotional response, to just mention a few aspects. I suppose in the simple messages. Mm -hmm, That's right. Mm. So I guess after outlining all of these government deflections and to advocate for uh, a more positive agenda, let's refer to Paul Dutton again. He makes a case for more social housing, which we agree with, of course, and he says, quote, Australian society is heading for a massive collapse unless we change our attitudes and protect the most vulnerable 
instead of holding them to a higher standard than the rest of us. It's time to act and care for one another. Care as a guiding principle. Now there's a radical thought. (laughs) That's a very radical shark, apparently. So I guess it's time for community announcements now. Um, Just a couple of... We're still in NAIDOC week, which celebrates Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history, culture and achievements. So uh, there's a NAIDOC week, Welcome to Country and Breakfast, which is free, in Richmond in Metropolitan Melbourne on Saturday 10th of July. That's at the North Richmond Community Health Centre, 23 Lennox Street, Richmond. So that uh, Welcome to Country and Breakfast is from 9.30 to 11am. And there's also an Indigenous art exhibition ongoing in Wonthaggy. If anyone wants to go a couple of hours outside Melbourne, past Phillip Island and San Remo, uh, that's in Wonthaggy. It goes to the 18th of July. It's in the art space Wonthaggy, one Bent Street, one Thaggy. So that's the NAIDOC Week Indigenous Art Exhibition. And for any other events, go to nadoc.org.au. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio. If you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's programme, you can email Borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au. Our programmes are available by podcast wherever you get your podcast from and the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.